Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. We are so pleased to bring you a message this morning on the power of prayer. Lord, we ask for your anointing on, what's your name again? Michelle. What, what's your last name? Harrison. <laughs> I'm sorry, I always do this. So. <laughs> what, what, what was it again? Harrison. No, Michelle? No, I mean, okay, now everybody knows I really knew it. Lord, we ask you to put your anointing on Michelle this morning. And that you would fill her mouth with your words. And you would open up our eyes and our ears and heart to hear how to have a better prayer life with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so I, I prayed about it, and that's what came to me was the power of prayer. A lot of us have lived through something, been healed with something because of the power of prayer. So why is prayer important? That is our direct connection with God. It's like having our own personal chat line with him. That's why, you know, that's why it's very important for us. It helps us get healed. It helps us connect with him. helps us connect with our family and friends and church members. Um, what does it do for us as Christians? Well, if you're not saved and you pray for it, you're saved. You get to go to heaven. You get to be with Jesus. But it's also, it gives us a deeper connection with the Lord. Just flat out. It's our deeper connection with him. That time that we spend with him. It's a very precious time. Prayer is an important way to experience God as a Christian. There's just no other way to say it but that. Um, We're supposed to be bringing our problems to God. I know it is hard to let go of problems when you've got bills piling up, when you've got family members that are sick, your car may need to be repaired. But we have to give all that to God. We are not, as humans, we, we have to let it go, but it's hard to let it go. And that weighs you down. And when you finally let go of those issues, the problems, whatever's bothering you, you feel light as a feather. You just float across the room. And I'm sorry, I hit that. Um, but I've done that before where I've let go of things and I'm like, I feel so much better the weight's off my chest. It just, it works. It's great. Um, we as Christians know we can speak directly with God. We don't need a middleman. We don't need anybody to go in, you know, step in that gap. It, we got it. It's right there. We can just go directly to him. And that's one of the great things about prayer is I don't have to go tell somebody, well, this is what I've done, and and so I need to pray. Can you talk to God for me? No, I can do it myself. If I've been bad, if I've messed up, I need to go to him myself. I say, I'm sorry, Lord, I messed up again because I do it a lot. Um, you know, it's how to pray to God, one of the ways that we have to pray. Says, express gratitude and talk to God for as He is your Father. He is our Father. He's our Father in heaven. And so when we pray to Him, especially when you first start praying to Him, you need to tell Him how much you love Him, how much you're grateful for the things He's done for you, given to you, blessed you with. And then you can tell Him what your problems are. But don't make demands. He's not like Santa Claus. You can't, you can't go, go, Jesus, I want this and I want that. You have a whole, no, you can't do that. You go, Lord, you know, if you could make a way for this to happen, that would be great. But if you don't, that's okay. I'm still going to keep going. I'm still going to keep blessing and praying and you know, praising Jesus. And so instead of making demands, we need to ask for help, guidance, peace, comfort. I ask for that a lot of times for peace and for comfort, especially for guidance, because sometimes I get lost. Um, we always end the prayer in Jesus' name. Leslie taught us that. 
She even taught that, us, that to us at uh, the School of the Prophets. Then when you, in your prayer, you say in Jesus' name, because you're, you've done that prayer and you're done with it. And the last thing I put on there was go to your prayer closet. That's one thing I learned from Stan was the prayer closet. It says try praying in your room with the door shut as your prayer closet. You can go to the closet, bedroom, go out to the garage and sit in the car if it's not too hot. Uh, go sit in your closet if it's ventilated enough. And that's your prayer closet. And uh, this is just one of those ways that we can pray to Jesus. It says instructions in Matthew 6, 6 on how to pray. It says Jesus go to, goes on to say, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Basically, what you do in secret in that closet and you pray to him, he's going to reward you. Whether it's what well, everybody knows that you got rewarded or you know you got the reward. It's okay. He'll reward us. And I put this in there because this is not the only place you can pray. I've prayed in my car. I've prayed at the post office for a lady one day. I pray on the phone every single day at work because I get these little people on my phone that are sick. They're lonely. They just need somebody to vent to. And the minute I hang up that phone, I just say, Lord, whatever this person needs, give it to them. Just you know, help them out as best you can because I know you got it in you and I know these people need this help. And I've done it. I do it all the time, every day. Even the ones that are mean to me, I still pray for them. It's not very easy, but I do it. <laughs> you have to. You just have to. Um, Paul also described speaking in tongues as a good way to pray. He said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. That's in 1 Corinthians. I will speak in tongues a lot. Sometimes I don't know I'm doing it until I become aware that I'm doing it. You know, I know people who pray in tongues a lot. And I love to hear it. <laughs> but yeah, I, that's one of the things. Because when we speak in tongues, from what I understand, and I, I think you've said it before, when we speak in tongues, the other, the spirit world or the devil doesn't know what we're saying because that's our direct connection, communication with God. And so he can't get in the middle of that and distract you because you're praying to God in tongues. I never did that until I came to church here, by the way. <laughs> And uh, some of the, I have put three ways, but there's more than three ways of praying. There's on your feet in church or at home. We all do that here. Uh, sitting or kneeling in reverence of God. We've all done that here. We've even sat on the floor. So on your face in supplication. And I've asked, have you ever been on your face if you, uh, in front of God, praying to God? Because I have. I've done it at home. I've been here and been on my face. You know, it's it's okay to be on your face. It's okay to do these things and not be ashamed and not be embarrassed to do them because that's between you and God. Nobody else around you matters. Nobody else around you. And then I have the little picture here of all the different ways to pray. And then I just love the other picture. It says, when God warrior, God's warriors go down on their knees, the battle is not over. It is just begun. And pretty much that is the absolute truth. The devil should be scared when we drop to our knees. He should be running, period period and so i put on here does prayer work so does it work has it worked for any of you guys have you benefited from being healed your finances going good uh something changed at your job somebody come up to you and say something that you didn't think they would ever say to you in a positive way that prayer has changed your life because i know it's done it for me i'm standing here because of it i had guillain berets syndrome like 15 years ago almost 16 years ago i was paralyzed in a bed up to here couldn't move anything i could move my eyeballs and do this but that was all i could do 
But because of the power of prayer, not only from my family, but from the church I was attending at that time, from additional family members outside of my own inner, inner family, I was healed. I was absolutely healed. I'm standing here today because of the power of prayer. A lot of us are standing here today because of the power of prayer, because of what God has done for us in our lives, period. I mean, there's no other way to say it, but he did it. You know, he has a reason for us to still be here. Otherwise, should we be gone? And then the other thing I put in is, should we fast when we pray? Not every time, but I'm pretty sure there's, you know, when you're really serious and you're trying to shed some of the stuff that comes to you from the world, the natural world outside, yes, fasting is absolutely something you should do. Well, one of the examples I know of the people who fast, I have fasted before like one or two meals. That's about all I can handle. But I know people who have fasted for a lot longer than that, and they come back so strong in God, and it just shines off of them. It just radiates off of them. And it's like you feel the power. You know the power. It's They're there. It's there. You know, so like when Lou and Sinigo, I think every year during the summer, they go off for like a 30 or a 40-day fast. I am amazed that y'all can fast for that long. I think it's awesome. I know Stan has fasted. It's not easy because, you know, you're sitting there and you're praying and you're focusing and concentrating. And you hear this little voice going, wouldn't you like a piece of toast or maybe a sandwich? No, I can't have that. I'm trying to shed some of this stuff off my body and out of my spirit. Um, And basically, I just put the definition of prayer and fasting, which is defined as voluntary going without food in order to focus on prayer and fellowship with God. Yeah, I know it's kind of hard to ignore the grumbling stomach when you're sitting there praying, but that's when you're at probably your weakest physically, but spiritually you have to tap into that and you, your connection becomes so strong, just so strong. And it's, you know, it's a good thing to do. I just wish I could do more than two meals. I'm not that great at it. Um, I just put this in here. You can either do it. Singly by yourself or as a couple, like Loon Sin, you do. Um, I put this in here about the healing power of prayer. How many people online or in here in church have been prayed over and healed? There's been a lot of us that have been prayed over and healed. Just boom. Yep. How many times has we as a church prayed for family members? I know personally when Paris was born, prematurely i prayed for that baby every single day even when i got the text messages on my phone about well this is going on with her immediately boom i was in prayer because i don't have a choice that's what i'm commanded to do and what i'm supposed to do and it's that's a connection as a family but it's also our connection as a god as a family and we need that and i've been healed like i said personally by the power of prayer because of the young bray syndrome prayer is very powerful it is one of the most powerful things i've ever seen in my life and, you know, yes, you can be slain in the spirit. Yes, you can be healed on the spot. Sometimes it might take more than once, but you will be healed. Your faith is what helps keep it going. You know, it's just, it's very powerful. It's something I don't, nobody should play with. Um, prayer is a family. These are two of our families at our church. The one on the one side that's not Leslie and the girls is Marcus and his children. They come up and pray as a family, and I think it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. The first time they did it, my heart just went right out of my chest. I was like, 
Thank you, Lord, for giving us such a beautiful example of prayer in the church with our family. Those kids may not even know what they're praying for, but that's okay. They see Daddy doing it. They want to be up here with Daddy, and they want to do it too. And it just amazes me. And then with Leslie and uh, Scarlett and Paris up here praying, it's great. I love to see that. Uh, There's times I've come up and prayed, and Paris has been up here. She's just, you know, hugs up on me. And it's it's nice to see families pray together because, and I know it sounds silly, but the family that prays together pretty much stays together, and you can fight just about any battle together as a family. There's nothing can stand against you as a family, even as a church family, nothing. And then I have verses about what the Bible says about prayer. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which patheth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. That's pretty good. I like the picture, too. It's very calming. And then I have a whole bunch more, basically just, that was one of the things that Bill asked me. He goes, have you got verses in there? Oh, yeah, I've got verses in here. I put them in. It says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I mean, how can, I mean, that's, I mean, more plain than that. I mean, seriously, you know. And then it says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So in other words, be honest when you pray. And it's okay to say some things in repetition, but don't be saying the same thing over and over again because then it becomes a mantra and then it's not a prayer. Plain and simple, it's just you're not connecting. Uh, It says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice without of his temple and my cry came before him even into his ears. Last week, I was sitting at home. I was working. I was on break, thinking about how am I going to pay this bill. And I said, Lord, if you could just make some money. And I was just, you know, if you can make some money fall from the sky, that would be great. I could pay this bill. Next thing I know, David comes in and goes, I got paid for this gig. And I went, okay, Lord, that was really fast. (laughs) But thank you. I started, I was just like, wow. Sometimes he will not answer you immediately, but a lot of times he will. And when he does, it just blows you away. You're just like, well, okay, maybe I doubted a little bit, but I'm sorry I doubted, Lord. I'm so sorry. And he, I mean, when he answered that that quick, I was just, just stunned. Not really stunned, but just in shock, basically. Um, they're very thankful. I was very thankful. I thanked him up and down while I was on break, even after I got off a break of work. This is, but thou that when, but I can't talk, but when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, Pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That's a great verse. That's a great verse. You know, and Stan talks about go to your prayer closet. Go to your prayer closet because what you do in there, you'll get rewarded out here. Not that we need a lot of great fanfare for the prayers and things that we get answered, but God rewards us anyway. You know, that's just what, he, you know, that's what happens. There we go. Um, I say unto you here, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Do you know how hard this is? It is so hard. You want to, I'm like, do it, you know, and I'll, I'll sit there and I'll start praying. I'm like, Lord, do I really have to pray for this? Do I really have to pray for the president? 
Do I really? I'm like, and you hear this person that says, yes, you do. Because if you don't, and it's just so hard because, I mean, even I get people on the phone at work. They get mad at me. I had a man manifest at me the other day on the phone. The more I talked, the madder he got. And it was just funny to me. And that was the day that I was having a particularly rough day. And Leslie prayed for me before I went to work. And I was just in the best spirits all day long. Nothing was going to hinder me that day. And even him. And so when I transferred him to where he was going, I said, well, you know what? I'm going to put you in your apartment where you need to go. I want to tell you, thank you for being the best part of blah, blah, blah. And I said, God bless you and have a great day. And I went click and he was gone. And I went, Lord, that was kind of funny. But can we not do that one for a while again, please? You know, some of them you get, they're really mad. You don't know why they're mad. I've had several people manifest at me on the phone and it just blows my mind. And I'm not doing anything but my job. But then I have to pray afterwards because I don't want the negativity that they put through the phone to come off on me. I can't have it. Mm -mm. It says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes, (laughs) really. (laughs) It is very weak. (laughs) Because you know how we, we start to get to praying. And then you start thinking about maybe the grocery list. Did I do this over here? And then you still come back and you do some more prayers. And it's like, you know, don't pray when you go to bed at night. Now, we do before I go to bed because I go to bed before David. But we pray and I'm still awake. But don't do it while you're trying to fall asleep. Because then you fall asleep in the middle of your prayers and you're not done. There may have been somebody you needed to pray for. And you were like, no, you run. Um, the flesh is weak. We go to sleep. Uh, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against, against any that you... Your Father, which also in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Basically, it's, you know, if you have any money against you, you have, to, you have to be forgiven, period. You always have to ask to be forgiven for stuff. We mess up on the daily, on the moment, in the second, pretty much. But I say unto you, love your enemies. And I think I did this at the, front, at the top. I bless them that curse you, do good to them, that hate you, pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you. You know this is coming, right? And we're getting it now. We're being persecuted now. They're trying to come after us. Boy, are they going to be in trouble now. Are they going to be really surprised? There's a lot of us out there, and we pray, and some people are just extreme prayer warriors. You don't want to go against them. You really don't. I mean, I would be scared to go against them. These are some of the examples of the power of prayer in the Bible. Daniel in the lion's den. He prayed to God, and God shut the mouths of the lions. They never bothered him. They were probably like a normal kitty cat. They probably just sat there and patted him and kept praying to God. Um, Elijah prayed for rain, and God set the rain. You know, I mean, that's pretty powerful prayer right there. I know people who now are still praying for rain for Texas. Some of us get a little bit of rain, but we never get a lot of rain. Or we get too much, or we get flooded. Uh, this is David's prayer of repentance. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassions, blot out my transgressions, wash away all of my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. We should be praying that one just about pretty much every day. We have to repent. We've messed up somewhere. Every day. It says, We have a battle to fight and win. And I just basically said that we got to fight on our hands. Because they're going to come for us. And basically, how do we do it? We pray. We get on our knees. We get on our face. And we pray before God. That's how we win this. 
You know, I fought my best battles on my knees. I know Annie has fought her best battles on her knees. I've always said, and Annie's one of my strongest prayer warriors that I know next to Sun Yi. I'm like, if I'm ever in the hospital, you need to come in there and pray me out of that bed. Because I don't want to stay in that bed. I want you to pray me and me and God, we're going to get up and walk out of there. I'm not going to be sick and I'm not staying in that bed. And I like the, <laughs> the last sentence is, the devil should be scared. Yes, he should be scared. He should be very scared of us. And he is. Because the more scared he gets of us, the more dumb things he does. And we all know he is a bragger and a liar. We see it every single day. You see it on the news. That's why I can't watch the news anymore because that is just such evil on the TV. I just like, nope, can't have that on there. Because I don't like it. You know, he's, he tries to get us any which way we, he can. And I mean, this is basically every step you take, you got to say a prayer nowadays because of the way things are. And so, and then I love that picture. <laughs> it says, prayer is a mighty weapon. Prayer is not the only weapon we have. We have our Bible. We have prayer. We have, we have people who do deliverance. We have a lot of tools at our disposal to fight these battles. That Bible's our sword pretty much. We carry it and we go into battle because we got the words t- right there to show them. This is what this says. You cannot dispute the word of God. Basically, when we pray, it infuses the rest of the armor with the power needed to fight the enemy. And I tell you, when we pray every single morning before we put our feet out of the bed, we pray. And there's some days I'll jump up out of that bed going, yes, Lord, let's do this. Other days it's a little slower because something might be hurt, creaking or whatever. <laughs> Just it is. Um, and then I ask, how powerful do you feel when you pray every morning and you put on your full armor of God, you have to go out and face the world. How powerful do you guys feel when you do that? Do you feel really powerful? A little powerful? Do you feel like really powerful? I, uh, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> um, this one was given to me by a friend, and I loved it when I saw it. It's the five finger prayer, and you start with five your five fingers up. Your thumb is to start with the people who are close to your family, your friends, your pointer fingers, the people who teach, instruct, or heal, like your ministers, your teachers, doctors. Uh, the tallest one is for the people who lead us, your mayor, the prime minister, or the president. I know it's hard. Uh, your ring finger is the people who need help, people who are sick, uh, need homes, aren't safe, people who need that help from God. And then the last little finger, well, that's for us. Because as far as I know, we're, we're small, but we're powerful. We are very powerful. And that's that. I love that prayer. I just, I love that one. I saw it. I was like, yes, I have to have that. And then now I have testimonies because I asked some people to come up because I knew I wasn't going to have enough time. But I also wanted people to come up and give their testimony on the power of prayer and what it's done for them in their lives. Um, I have asked Bill to come up because he's got some great testimony. He's got some really good testimony. Hello. There we go. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I know we're all prayer warriors in this church and a lot of people watching online. I just want to say the most important thing a Christian can ever do is pray. That's our number one job. Like Michelle said, that's how we communicate with God. That's how we bring blessings. That's how we bring healing, everything else. And I've got a testimony that I want to share. 
that happened in 2017 in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. Some of y'all have heard this story. I was working in a nuclear power plant, and I was walking into a restroom, and right ahead of me was a janitor's closet. To the right was a ladies' restroom, to the left was a men's. And there were two gentlemen and a lady standing there, and one of the gentlemen was talking about his daughter was in a car wreck the day before. She was in critical condition. All her organs had shut down. They didn't expect her to live. And I, I heard that part, and then I walked into the restroom. I was doing my thing, and I could hear coming through the walls the other things he was saying. Now, the walls in those power plants are a foot thick at least. You can't hear through them. Then the Lord says, go out and pray for that man's daughter. I'm getting the goosebumps now. And so anyway, I walked out there. One of the gentlemen had left, but the girl's father was still standing there with this lady. And I said, are you a Christian? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, the Lord just told me to pray for your daughter. And I started running down everything I'd heard through the wall. And he just looks at me in amazement. So I don't remember the exact prayer, but I said, give me your hands. I'm going to pray for your daughter. And... We prayed and prayed. Then I quoted John 14, 13 and 14, where Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do if I, I will do to glorify the Father through the Son. Whatever it is you want and you ask for, I will do. And I had a moment of boldness come over me right then. I said, Jesus, I'm calling you out on this right now. Prove yourself. Heal this man's daughter. And just this this extreme boldness came over me. I looked at the man, I pointed right at him and said, your daughter's healed. And I walked away, and he goes, thank you. And I walked away. Well, that was on a Monday. I didn't see him on Tuesday, but I saw him on Wednesday. And he caught me in the hallway with, my, with the crew I was working with as we were going out on the job. And he says, man, I want to thank you for what you did. My daughter sat up in bed last night and talked to me. She was in a coma, life support, whole nine yards. And I said, don't thank me. Go home, get on your knees, and thank God. And he's like, man, awesome. So we had to go, and all these guys were asking me, what would you do? Well, I just prayed. <laughs> you know, the Lord said, pray. I prayed. And uh, the next day, I saw him again. And uh, he says, man, my daughter is making a perfect recovery. My pastor wants to talk to you. And I said, okay, fine. You know, whatever. We're on our way out to a job again. And that was like on Thursday. Friday, I was fixing to be escorted off the property because whenever they give us our walking papers, our job is over, they escort us through security. Well, he caught me right while I'm going through security, and he goes, man, I need to find you where you're at in this building. I need to talk to you. He said, my daughter is coming home from the hospital today. Okay? And that, that was just amazing. And I've got a second part to that story, too. Three years later, I was on my way to Surrey, Virginia, and I was driving up through the Cumberland Gap, and Satan hit me. And he goes, ah, oh, that girl you prayed for in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee, your prayers didn't amount to nothing. They didn't blah, blah, blah. And I said, I rebuke you. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Okay? So I get to Surrey, Virginia, and I'm working with a whole new bunch of people, never heard them work with them before. There was a pastor sitting across the table from me. We were talking about prayer. And I shared that story with him. And there's this young man sitting to my right. And he slides back in his chair and he goes, you're the one. I says, the one what? And he goes, I lived in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee in 2017. I knew that girl personally. She was on her deathbed. They didn't expect her to make it 24 hours. And her father worked with my father. And he said, you know, 
miracle had happened. Some white dude came up out of the middle of nowhere, prayed for his daughter, and she was healed out of the hospital in five days. So there you go, Satan. <laughs> there you go. And, I mean, I've got many more testimonies like that. And uh, do I have another minute? Okay. This is one about me personally. A prayer answered instantly. And uh, I was visiting a friend of mine with a friend of mine at a church out in Burleson on one Wednesday night. And there was this evangelist there speaking. And it was really good. He was talking about the double anointing of Elisha. And he was going to place it on somebody. And I stepped up to the stage. And I was praying for that anointing. But then I quit praying for that. And I started praying that God would soften my heart. Well, about 10 minutes into the prayer, I had my head down, eyes closed, just praying silently. I felt this arm come around me. And this guy walks up out of the middle of nowhere, had no idea who he was. He whispers in my ear, God has heard your prayer. He's going to soften your heart. And that's the Holy Spirit moving in that church that night. And then I got the anointing, <laughs> double portion anointing, and my friend Jesse and this guy had their hands on me. When I got the anointing, they wanted to transfer it, and they said, I was vibrating like a cell phone. But all I know for sure is God changed my heart at that instant, and that man came out of the middle of nowhere. There was 500 people in that church that night and came up and confirmed my prayer was being answered. You know, have faith, believe, you know, and your prayers will be answered. They always will. And that's all I've got to share right now. My other person that I asked to come up is Leslie Ann, because she's got great stories of the power of prayer. It's all yours. Go ahead. Well, one specifically, the little miracle walking. We've all, you know, heard bits and pieces of that story. But, um, I mean, talk about power of prayer over and over and over and over and over and over and over in a short circumstance of, of your life was my life in 2020. Um, ended up in the hospital, <laughs> went, uh, well, actually I, uh, I was, um, at a new job testing the water, seeing if I liked it. And it was really far away from where my doctor's appointment was going to be all the way down in Dallas. And I was like, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get there. I'm already going to be an hour late then, you know, like I'm just not going to go. But there was just, you know, how people say like, there's something pushing you to go, nudging you to go. The Holy spirit was telling me. Um, I need to go. And I knew it was, I recognized it was the Holy Spirit telling me because I've recognized the voice of the Lord. I was like, okay, I need to go. You never know what's going on in there. I've always told everybody, people don't miss an appointment. I can't do it myself. And I've never missed one, so I need to go. So I drove, even though I was late, got there. And I was texting um, Kate, another lady in our church, just that day because she was pregnant too. And she was checking in on me how I was doing. I was like, well, I'm feeling great. You know, I'm feeling good. I'm just, you know, I'm, I am late. So hopefully I get in because I'm going to be like getting my children. But other than that, I've, I'm doing great. And I was. I felt wonderful. Um, I think it was 20 weeks. Yeah, 20 weeks. No, 20, almost 21 weeks. And pregnant. And um so I go into the doctor's appointment, it's a sonogram, and they check your blood pressure to make sure you're good. It's like a normal thing. They always do it. And I've never, ever had high blood pressure. And she was like, well, it's a little high. And I'm like, well, I rushed to get here. It is really hot outside. I mean, it's, uh, what was it, May? June? It was May, I think. Of that. I don't even know what month it was, April. 
I was in the hospital so long, so I don't know how it was four months. Okay, moving on. So it was really hot. I was rushed. I was late. So I was like, so maybe that's why. And she's like, okay, well, let's calm down. Let's wait till after the sonogram. We'll check your blood pressure again. Make sure you're good. I was like, sure. So she checked it again. She's like, we're going to keep you here. We're going to monitor you. It's still a little high. Go ahead and have your husband get arrangements for your children. Have your husband come on over. I was like, okay. So we did. And my husband's like, what's going on? Like, are you okay? And he's, they're like, it's fine. It's just a little high blood pressure. That's all they told me. They want to keep me here until it goes down. I mean, it's just part of the thing. He's like, okay. So he gets there. And by the time he got there, they were already admitting me into the hospital. And they're like, take this pill. Take this pill. Relax. They put me in this dark, cool room. And everybody came in there with such gentle voices and calm voices. And I don't know what's going on. I'm thinking, I just need to calm down. My blood pressure is a little high. That's all I'm thinking. That's all I know. They wouldn't tell me anything because they didn't want my blood pressure to get higher. So they wouldn't tell me truly how high my blood pressure was. Um, Come to find out, my blood pressure was so high, if I wouldn't have made my doctor's appointment, I would have been dead that night. Um, So I was on my deathbed pretty much already with my blood pressure as I was standing or sitting in that room, and I didn't know that. They couldn't believe that I felt fine, that I didn't have a headache, nothing, and my husband showed up. They told him what's going on. He comes in there, and they're like, well, they're going to start prepping you to take the baby out. They let him tell me the news. (laughs) Hold up. What is going on? So we immediately started praying. This is not time. This is not time for this child. Um, I will live, not die, and declare the works of the Lord, you know, relating the blood of Jesus over me and the baby. And they came in, and they had us sign a waiver um, if, uh, what was it? that I would give up my child before my, my own death. You know, I don't remember that. You know what it is? Yeah, my life. <clears throat> and I wouldn't sign it. I said, no, this baby's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. You're going to save her and you need to save me. And uh, it's hard to not get emotional even just thinking about it. Um, so fast forward, um, they're prepping about to take the baby out. And I still put my foot down. I said, no, this is not her time. 20 week, almost 21 weeks pregnant. Okay, this is not her time at all. The baby would not live at all. There's, there's zero hopes of the baby coming out alive, much less me making it through. So um, we prayed again. We're like, this is not it. I know it's a baby girl. This is not her time. We didn't know the sex of the baby. And uh, they came in and checked me again. They were trying to get IVs in. They did 14 times. They could not get an IV in me because I ballooned up at that moment so bad. I, I literally looked like a balloon, and my skin looked sunburnt because it was so red and taut because I was so swollen. They couldn't get an IV in me. They're like, well, we, we have to get this IV. They were about to go in between my toes. And um, then it finally worked. I said, blood of Jesus, just go in. <laughs> and so they got it in. And they're like, okay, we got to roll her down there. All these bells and whistles going off and everything. And I just kept screaming, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. This is not her time. This is not her time. This is not my time. And all of a sudden, the, the whistles and bells and everything started going down. Um, my blood pressure started dropping. So the medicine that they were able to get in me through that IV started helping and lowering my blood pressure. 
So they didn't have to take the baby immediately. So we're sitting there and we're like, they're, they're taking my blood pressure and all of these vitals every 10 to 15 minutes constantly because they're still at edge. This is going to happen. And, um, and I just knew I was, I just knew in my heart that this was not it. This was not the time. <coughs> so fast forwarding, forwarding a little bit, I was able to make it through the night and they're like, we're lucky to get hour by hour. So literally every hour they're kept checking vitals. A few days went by. They're like, okay, now we're going to every four hours, every six hours, every eight hours. And that was the most that they would do. And they were constantly in my room. I was jail bed ridden, I say, because it was during COVID. I couldn't see family. I couldn't see my children. No visitors. I couldn't do anything. They would time my showers. They would time my baths, um, my bathroom breaks. They would limit exactly what type of foods I could eat. I couldn't get up. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't wa- read a book. I couldn't get on the phone. I couldn't get on the computer. So I was jail bed ridden for um, um, like a month and a half at that point. But every day was a day longer that we were looking forward to of making this little one live and myself. Um, So we would be hoping and praying every day. And now people, you guys know me. I'm a go, 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 go person. I'm a very fast-paced lifestyle. And I hold stress very easily. So I can do a lot more in my life to all of a sudden doing nothing. That's what most people were afraid of. She can't do that. How she not? She can't even talk on the phone. She can't get on the TV. She can't read a book. How is she going to do this? So with the power of prayer, my parents interceding for me, my husband interceding for me, the church interceding for me, the fast track, thousands of people interceding and praying. I had that peace that withstands all, or is a peace that passes all understanding. It was true. That's the only way I know in my heart that I passed and got through it because of that peace, that overwhelming peace. And when you know that you're on the deathbed and you also have another child that is on the deathbed from you, you have to, you have to have that peace and that change of mindset and lifestyle and everything. And just an instant, there was no chances. You had to do it immediately. And with God willing, I did. So we tuckered through, and every day at that point, we were hoping we can get stretch another day. <clears throat> Finally got to the point where um, my body was dying and could not last any longer. <clears throat> Sorry. So they, um, and so the doctor comes in on her day off. She would check on me all the time. And she comes in, and she's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, I feel fine, just a slight little headache. Like, I don't get headaches people know me I rarely get headaches and she's known me for many years she's like that's not normal is it I was like I'm pregnant I'm upset that I'm stuck in here so yeah and it's in the morning like I haven't eaten I haven't drinking anything yet so let me get some food in my belly it's probably it was just a slight little headache she's like okay I'm gonna give you this medicine I'm gonna come back in a few hours if it's still there we'll talk the next steps so she gave me this extremely strong medicine thank you extremely strong medicine and I come back she comes back in a few hours and my headache got worse she's like okay we're taking the baby out right now I'm like okay let's do this if you say we are here we're doing it we're doing it and we got far 
enough that the baby could possibly survive. <coughs> so we did. Prepping me, rolling me down, and as I rolled him, this is the hardest part. As I rolled into the OR, I was dying. It has been passed out. All these people screaming, running around, and just noises like crazy. And I just remember thinking, this is not my time. God, this is not my time. And they're screaming, get it out, get it out, get it out. <coughs> and I look over at my husband's gone, <laughs> passed out from overwhelming um and they got her out, and then as soon as they got her out of me, all the everything's went away. All the noises went away, and I see them roll this skeleton off. That's it. That's all I got to see. And they they sew me up like you're fine now. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> she was killing me. That's essentially what severe preeclampsia is. Um, so I came out and they rolled me away and I was, I was so sick and emotional and everything. I mean, I was sick as a dog, like throwing up. I was really sick. Um, <coughs> but all my organs were dying and failing. So, um, they had to keep me for a while. Um, we rolled in there. I got to see a glimpse of her. What looked like a baby <laughs> did not look like a baby. Um, but she came out breathing on her own. She was two ounces under the limit before they, if there, if she would have been two ounces more, they could have done something. But she was two ounces too small that if they'd come out not breathing on their own, they'd just watch them die. So she was two ounces too small, that limit. And so she didn't come out breathing on her own. She would not be here, but she came out breathing on her own at one pound. Um, so it was quite amazing that this little one, after being in the NICU for five months, just to get her, her weight up, scathed through everything, brain bleeds and everything. And is the miracle living today? <laughs> Three years old. How old are you? Three years old, Paris is alive, living day. We both are healthy and healthy, and um, this is the power of prayer. You know, it can all start with one thing, and it can just lead, but you can't give up. You know, I mean, like Bill, he had those other um, miracles, but you just can't give up. You never know what's going on on the other end. You just listen to the voice of the Lord, and you just pull together as a family, as a church, and uh, where there's two or more gathered, there he is in the midst. Great talk, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> I knew I wanted her up there because she's probably one of the best stories of the power of prayer that I know personally, besides my own. But hers is absolutely phenomenal. That baby is beautiful, and she is amazing, and she's smart. And we all prayed. And I remember every time the fast track would go out, that was the first thing we all would do is be, we'd be praying for that baby and we'd be praying for Leslie Ann because we love them and we love her. 
But that, those are the stories of how the power of prayer works for us now. And it's, it is a powerful tool that God has given us, and we need to use it and not be ashamed, afraid, or embarrassed to use it. Like I said, I prayed for one lady at the post office one day, and I was talking to her about you know, praying and stuff, and she goes, would you pray for me? I was like, well, yes, ma'am, I will. Six years ago, I would have never done that. I'd be, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I was too embarrassed. Not anymore. Not anymore, because you got to pray for each other. you got to lay hands on each other. Because that's what we are commanded to do. So there you go. Power of prayer. Spirit of Prophecy Church, how are we doing today? (laughs) It's It's Sunday. Oh, it looks like the sun's peeking out a little bit. It did rain a little bit earlier today. Just a few announcements before we get started with service. Um, for those of y'all who don't know, last week was we just celebrated Stan's 70th birthday and we did a service to him. It was a great service. The whole weekend was great. The partying, all of that. Um, we do have a men's breakfast coming up this Saturday. I'm going to have Jonathan come up and speak on that. Yes. <coughs> hey, here I am. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody. So yes, as Sharonda said, we do have a men's breakfast, and that's going to be September 9th. So again, let's get our phones out. Sep- September 9th is a Saturday. Is it a Friday? So it's this coming Saturday. So in six days, right? Countdown begins Saturday. Saturday. So Saturday, Saturday, Saturday at 9.30, So you guys go ahead, pull out your phones, because I'm going to need a head count. I'm going to need a commitment. You know it's going to be wild, because we have Pastor Stan there. We have Pastor Lou. We have Brandon. So you know we're going to have a lot of fun. Wait, and I think, hold on, and I think from my understanding, Pastor no Lou, women allowed. Pastor Stan, and Jonathan are serving the men. Is that correct? I will be present serving the men there. So, yeah, we're, we're all going to serve. We're all going to have a great time. Well, it's going to be a prayerful time, and I'm just thinking about a vision here. So, you know, there's nothing more scary than having a band of brothers join, join arms, right? If you just see a whole bunch of men joined arms, that's pretty scary. So let's make it happen because we got to start, you know, battling in the spirit. we got to take back America, right? So I would love to see you there. Again, I'm going to need a head count. So go ahead and text this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> please see me after church or in between whenever you can. I'd like to know if you can make it. Um, it will be at Pastor Stan's. So, uh, again, September 9th, which is a Saturday, 6 days, 930. We'd love to see you there. Let me know. Pastor Stan, should they bring a swimsuit in case they want to go swimming? Pool is open. Bring your swimsuit. And a towel. Yes, we'll have rubber duckies there, right? Uh, a life lifeguard if anybody needs. So we have everything ready for you. And yes, unfortunately, women, we are not allowed. As much as we want to hang out, I don't think we really want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want to see you in a swimsuit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yes, right here. Bring your swimsuit and a towel. 9.30, Saturday, September the 9th. Um, looks like ancestry prayer. Sorry, tell me what an ancestry prayer on that. Ancestry prayer is September 21st, Thursday, which is a Thursday, the third Thursday of the month. I believe it starts at 7.30. Um, here's a sign-up if you've not signed up to be included to that Zoom link. Um, just list your phone number and a good email. Make it where it can be read. And then also, we are about, Lou, how many days are we out for Honduras? About 30-ish? 
Today's the third. We leave on the fifth. So we're about less than 30 days. So please sign up um, for people who are not going um, to fast and pray. You can pick the same day, uh, multiple people on the same day. Pick a day. Um, we're going to be gone for 10 days, 12 days. So if you want to do two Sundays, you can pick both Sundays, or you can mix and match that as well. Or every day. This is the, the fellowship. Yes, so if we can, the more we have filled up, you praying is just as important as you physically being there as long as also with um, giving to the missions is just as important. So I believe up next is offering. <laughs> morning, morning, everyone. How are we? It's good to see. Awesome. It's good to see all these smiling beautiful faces today amen praise the lord hallelujah all right well it is time for offering so here at spirit of prophecy church we do the prophetic act of bringing your tithes to the storehouse so if you would stage left come bring your stage center how about that (laughs) bring your tithes to the storehouse this morning thank you hallelujah What a privilege it is to be able to give back unto you, Father. Thank you so much. Amen. Yeah, we'll do the missions here in just a second. Okay, so uh, that was SOP to run the church. This is for missions to Honduras. And after Honduras, we'll have Cambodia, Pakistan, and who knows where we'll be going. So online, you can scroll down and hit donate, specifically write missions so we know where to appropriate it or SOP church. What else do I want to say about missions? Yeah, um, last week, Apostle Stan asked for $10,000. I'm thinking that uh, the Lord is answering our prayers. I don't think we got a $10,000 check in the mail, but uh, it's coming in. Things are changing, and it's coming in. But after the Honduras trip, we'll have another mission, so it takes more money for that, too. So please continue to support us and donate us into the missions. And did you want to add something? Okay, I, I think I've said enough, so let's pray and bless the people. Lord, it's given with joy. We, I ask you to receive it with joy, sanctify it, and make it holy. Plant it in good ground. We believe that's happening, and let it produce a harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold. Bless the people back, not just in finances, but hear their prayers, touch their heart, heal their bodies. Straighten out their children, fix their problems, whatever they have, because they are giving back to you, and bless them according as they have given in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, we do boldly come before your throne room of grace and mercy, full of praise and adoration for who you are, and we do ask that you receive this giving back unto you, for you are great and greatly to be praised, Lord. Just and true are your ways, thou King of saints. 
And Lord, we receive, as your word declares, uh, as we give unto you, test me now herewith. And so, Father, we also receive back from you what you bestow upon us with your blessings and your love and your grace. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, one more thing. One more thing. Uh, I forgot. We are feeding the uh, a few children in Honduras at one specific church. And every month we have... Yeah, it's $100. Even even Stephen Round figures, $100. This month is covered. Next month is not covered. So see Mr. Tony back there. I don't recognize him because he's went to the barber shop. He's changed his appearance. But see him. Give him 100 bucks. And we need really we need $300 to finish the year, October, November, December. So there you go. See Tony. Thank you. I love this Bible. By the way, I I have to say, I have been so blessed. Leslie asked people to send birthday cards. And I've lost count, but I know it's over 300. Over 300 birthday cards have been sent in. Well wishing. And two Bibles and several other gifts here and there. And I've, I've been totally humbled and I mean, I'm so thrilled that so many people would think of this servant of the Lord. So I'm just, uh, I'm, 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 so thank you, thank you. And I love the other two Bibles that I got, leather bound. I mean, just, they're, I just go, like this one. Leather, leather, that's wonderful. Yeah, cowhide, right, real cowhide. Okay, so... <clears throat> In this congregation, one thing that we do is we, we represent the, or what we do, we remember the communion once a month. And it says that we are to bless it. And so, Lord, right now I bless this body and this grape juice representing the blood in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Go ahead and distribute it now. So if you want to follow along, I know all of you have your Bibles. Maybe it's on your cell phone, but. For I have received the Lord that, that which also we delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And it goes through and it tells us some things to do. And I, I, the, the way I like to explain is actually in reverse if you're looking at your Bible. We're in 1 Corinthians 11, and I'm going to start at the verse 34 and go backwards. If any man hunger, it says, let him eat at home. In other words, this is not a little snack at church. Children don't get to partake of this unless they've received Jesus and ideally being baptized, but definitely received Jesus. Uh, also that we should judge ourselves. This is the time where we take a look at our heart and say, okay, what have we, I started to say if we've sinned, but no, all sins come short of the glory of God. This is a time where we look at our heart and say, okay, what have we done this time? Now, you, you married men already understand that phrase. We, we have that phrase all the time. Like when Leslie says, 
Stan, what I think is, okay, what did I do this time? Okay, what's wrong? <laughs> so, I'm sorry you single guys don't understand this. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, there's, 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 there's a lot of lessons you miss by being single that you get to learn when you're married, right? Anyway, this is the time when we say, Lord, what do I need to repent of? This is the time we repent. So let's just take a silent second. Holy Spirit, show us what we need to ask forgiveness of. In Jesus' name. Okay, everybody got them? Okay. All right, so then in verse 24, when he had given thanks, he break it. And Lord, we do thank you for this body. So, I, yeah, I need, I, sometimes I do need a pulpit up here. If you could just hold that for a second. There you go. So, Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, and they all ate. After the same manner, he took the cup when he was up, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, and they all drank. And it's time for praise and worship. Amen. And we thank our praise and worship leader and praise and worship team. They do an awesome job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know there's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus is not just a word. It's not just a name. What else does Jesus mean to you? Your life, salvation, authority, mercy, truth, grace, prayer, peace, all of the above. There is power in that. There is power in the name of Jesus. So raise your hand if you have something in your life that you need the power of prayer, power of Jesus to come and touch. Is there someone in your lives that you know, family, friends, workers, that you know is called into the kingdom but have not accepted Jesus in their heart? There is power in the name of Jesus. We're going to speak the name of Jesus over them. We're going to call them into the kingdom. He says, I called them by name. And if we're not the light into the path, if we're not the one standing in place to be that person and lead them to the kingdom of God, what are we doing? We are going to declare that our jobs, our finances, our homes, people, people, and those who need healing in our lives are done in Jesus, in precious Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get going. Hallelujah. Lord, you are worthy and worthy to be praised. Come on, let's put our hands together. Oh, Lord, my God, in you I put my trust. Oh, Lord, my God, 
in you I put my hope. Oh Lord, my God, in you I put my trust. Oh yes, I do. Oh Lord, my God, in you I put my hope. In you, in you I find my find my strength yes we do in you i live and move and breathe let everything i say and do let everything i say and do be found by my faith in you lift up holy hands and sing let the praises ring hallelujah come on give them some praises Lord, my God, in you I give my hands. Oh, Lord, my God, in you I give my feet. Oh, Lord, my God, to you I give my everything. Yes, we do. Oh, Lord, my God, in you I give my life. In you, I find my strength. Hallelujah. In you, I live and move and breathe. Let everything I say and do. Let everything I say and do be founded by my faith in you. Lift up holy hands and sing. Let the praises ring. Let the praises ring. Come on, let me see your hands up. All right, let's get those feet moving. Come on now. We give them our everything. Hallelujah. Are you guys free? In you, in you I find my peace. In you I find my strength. In you, in you I find my strength. And in you I live and move and breathe. Let everything I say and do. And everything I say you do be founded by my faith in you. Lift up holy hands and sing. Let the praises ring. 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 Hallelujah, Lord, you are worthy. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. 
Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Speak to 
of God. We call those people up to the kingdom right now. Those people who need a healing, we declare right now that they are healed from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. In the precious name of Jesus, give them the courage and the peace to step out and declare you as their Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. We need a clicker, and it's coming. Thank you very much. Now I need a prayer. Yeah, and it's coming too. Lord, look at this fine 70-year-old plus. No, I'm pretty close to him. <laughs> Anointed man of God, Father, touch him right now with your power, just like this song we sung. The power of Jesus in the name. Thank you, Lord. Let him speak what needs to be said. Lord, let him have revelation and let us receive it into our hearts so we can take it home with us and begin to operate and function and build the kingdom of heaven like your word says according to your spirit. In Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Lord, this morning we say, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. From one new moon to another, one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before thee. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And Lord, we ask that the people would not see flesh and blood this morning, but they would see you on the throne and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we heard several testimonies this morning. Uh, Did you turn the lights on in the audience? There you go. Um, Several testimonies this morning about how God had worked in their lives. And I take that as a confirmation that this is what I'm supposed to be talking on this morning. Declaring the miracles and wonders of God. So when I got out of my knees yesterday afternoon, as I do, Lord, what do you want to say? Not what the people want to hear and certainly not what I want to say, but what do you want to say? He kept saying, tell them, you know, my power, tell them about my miracles. And I went in and I, it's like, I don't, I don't get it. I went back and prayed again. I, 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 I still don't get it. So I went back and I prayed the third time. And this kept coming to my mind, to my heart. So I believe this is what he wants us to talk on this morning. And then when several people got up and gave their testimony about miracles. So this is the scripture. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Think about it. Okay, so... We saw Leslie Ann get up here. We saw other people get up here and give their testimony about what God has done. Well, this morning I'm going to give 
some things, things in my life about what God has done. I'm going to be declaring the miracles, wonders of God that God has done in my life. So when I was four to five years, some of these stories you've heard, but I'm going to go through them. When I was four to five years old, I remember I was at Parker Heights Christian Church, Odessa, Texas, and hadn't even gotten in school yet, but I remember singing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. And in that song, I made a connection to God. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. That's one of the first and only memories I can remember in my life. I remember that. And I think the reason I remember that is because that was a moment I was connecting with Jesus. Then when I was nine years old, it was Wednesday night service, all of a sudden the curtains opened up and I saw that I was a sinner in need of a savior and I asked Jesus into my heart that next Sunday morning I professed Jesus before the congregation, which by the way I might add something that sticks with me today. I, uh, I guess I've always had a little slight hearing loss. But I misunderstood the, car, the, the preacher. So he turned to me and he said, Stan. He, he called me Stan instead of Stanley. Everybody called me Stanley in those days. And I thought he said, Stand with a D. So I turned to him and I said, I am standing. And everybody laughed. Well, from that moment on, I was always called by Stan, not Stanley. And, you know, I didn't understand at the time but you know, Abraham had his, cha- his name changed from Abram to Abraham. And I wonder if that was not God, looking back on that, at a moment when he was changing my name. So from that on, that's, so that's why I'm called Stan. And I'm, I'm hot, so this thing is blowing on my feet. I, so maybe we need to get the other fan where it'll blow up here on me or something. Anyway, that Sunday night, went to Parker Heights Christian Church, and I got baptized. When I came up out of that water, I felt the peace that passes all understanding. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay? That's a confirmation that the Holy Spirit has come into your heart and your name is written in the book of life. Now, I felt that peace for about three days. Now let's skip forward to 1980. Now I had gotten married and divorced and married and divorced, and I was in one of the meat market places called the brewery. And I remember walking out of there that night. I'd not been to church in years, not thought about God in years. I'd fallen away. Anybody appreciate where that, what I'm talking about? So I remember I walked out to the car, and I heard God speak. Not with my ears, but in here. I mean, I heard him say, when are you coming back to me? It was so clear, I stopped. And I looked up, and that's the reason I remember there was a telephone pole right there, and there was bugs flying all around the light up there, and I looked up, and I saw that, and I said, looking back, by the way, I should have thought about it a lot longer. But I looked up, and I said, no, Lord, 
I'm just not done sinning yet. I'm going to have to put you back. I said this out loud. I'm not done sinning yet. I'm going to have to put you back on the shelf a while longer. Wrong answer. Wrong answer, boy. And it's almost like God gave me 30 days to correct my obvious mistake because within a few steps of that very spot, about 30 days later, he arranged to allow me to be introduced to the world that the devil can bring to us. And I got myself in a real crack. And at that point, I remember later on that evening, I thought, okay, I'm coming back to God. How many of you found Jesus at a particular point, a low point in your life where it was low financially, mentally, emotionally, okay, and you were down and out? See, unfortunately, that's the way it has to be a lot of times in our lives. We find Jesus when we found out that it didn't work our way. Right? That was me. Now let's fast forward. Oh, I just told that story. So I decided I wasn't going to get back in church. So the first day back in church, I thought, look, I don't want to go to that church. I want to go to this church over there. So I went to the church, and they put me in the, the right Sunday school class for my age group, which at the time I'm, you know, like about 30 years old. And I, I, you, I've heard the, the saying, you know, nervous as a whore in church. That was me. I mean, if you'd have walked up to me at that moment and said, Stan, you're going to pastor you're going to actually start a church or two. I'd have thought, ha, ha, not me. So after the Sunday school class, and I, a couple of people were, had befriended me there, a couple of girls and a couple of guys, and come on out and sit with us. So this is a large church, probably 500 people in the church. And so I walked out, and I was sitting next to them. And, I mean, the church, the sea hadn't even got warm yet. And all of a sudden, all of the men in the church stand up. And they start walking to the aisles. They start going to the front of the church. What's going on? Go with them. Go with them. So, some girls push me. Go with them. Go with them. Okay. So I stand up. They're all walking to the aisle. So I walk to the aisle. I'm going down. And they had one of those churches where the aisle kind of slopes downward, you know. It's almost like we're sucking you in, boy. So I'm, I'm going down here. They're all walking down. I'm thinking, what is going on? Then they get up there. I'm standing up here with them. And then all of a sudden, they all kneel down. Uh, what are you going to do, Stan? You can't just be the only one that stands up. <laughs> you got to kneel down. So I knelt down, and when my knee touched that carpet, we had a come to Jesus meeting. Anybody appreciate what I'm talking about here this morning? We've all been there at one time or another. And I, as my knee touched that carpet, I said, Okay, Lord, you have my attention. I said, I will make you a promise if you'll forgive me. If you'll give me another chance, from here on out, I'll read your book, and I'll follow your book. No more of this playing around stuff. So, 
I got baptized again, and I thought, nope, all my sins are forgiven, I'm good as gold. Well, I didn't understand it wasn't that easy. I thought it would be, and we'd prefer it to be, but if I can remember to tell you that story, I will. So anyway, <clears throat> got rebaptized. I'm going to skip that. Maybe I'll come back to that. Now, a couple of years later, after I decided I was going to get out of the bars, clean my life up, started getting lonely. So I sat down in a chair one day and I said, Lord, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm lonely. I, I, I'm, I'm ready. I've cleaned my life up. I'm ready. If there is anyone out there that could ever put up with the likes of me, I'd like to meet her. But, 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 I have a couple of requests. That's one is I'd like her to be pretty. I'd like her to be fancy. Sorry, ladies, but I, I, I don't want a farmer's daughter. I don't want someone wearing blue jeans. You know, I want her to be fancy. And boy, have I paid for that request <laughs> dearly. Those of you that know Leslie know exactly what I'm talking about. I said, I'd like her to be pretty, I'd like her to be fancy, I'd like her to be curvy. Guys know what I'm talking about, okay? And, and I said, but most of all, I want her to be a Christian. I said, because I don't believe you can be happy in a marriage unless Jesus is at the center of it. So I said, number one, I want her to be a Christian. And I, want, I don't want any more of these divorces. I want her to be someone that can put up with the likes of me, because at the time I had a terrible self-image. Was this yes. fitting anybody here? This oh, yeah. Two days later, I'm driving down Loop 338, Odessa, Texas, and all of a sudden I had to make a phone call. So I took the very next exit, pulled up to the very next building, walked in, can I borrow a phone? This is long before cell phones. Yeah, there used to be a time when there wasn't cell phones. I know some of the younger people are saying, yeah, what? <laughs> no cell phones? So I walked in. I said, uh, walked up to the window, and there was a little hole in the glass. Can I borrow a cell phone? Can I borrow, can I borrow, can I borrow a phone? And I never did get to borrow the phone. But I thought, well, I'm here. I may as well make a cold call on this business. What is this business? Well, this is the Sheets Eye Clinic. Ooh, didn't mean anything to me. Okay, well, who's the person in charge here that makes the decisions? Told me the name. I wrote it down. I said, well, I'll give him a call. But in the meantime, I got to talking to this little lady. Her name was Willow. She was an elderly lady. And I don't know why I said some of the things I said. I think back on some of the things I said. But again, God is in control in our lives. Right. So I called back, called back, I called back. About the third time, I couldn't get hold of this guy. She says, they hand me back to this Willow lady. You know, who you really need to talk to is, is his daughter. Does she make decisions there? Oh, yes, she does. Well, not really, but I didn't understand I was being set up. So, by the way, all of this is to show you the hand of God in our lives, okay? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So may Jesus get all of the praise, honor, and glory for the things I say today. I want you to know that this was not my doing. This is his hand. So I said, I called. I talked to Leslie. Set an appointment. 
So I, now I'm going to go in, and at this time I'm selling uh, courses that are public speaking courses, how to win friends and influence people courses, and stuff like that. So I went in, and she later told me as I was walking down the hall, she first saw me, she said, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, that's your husband. It's a good thing the Lord said it because I'd have never landed that fish. I mean, she was too far above me before, you know, I married above myself, I know. So anyway, after I got done explaining to her and she enrolled in the class, uh, I never did this. I never did this. I said, are you hungry? You, 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 you want to go get some lunch? And then I said, how about Red Lobster? I didn't know that was her favorite place. So we went to lunch at Red Lobster. What I didn't know is I was being set up. I didn't understand. This is the hand of God, and there was something special about this lady. I remember she had a little gold nail. I, I, I tease about it, and I say, well, man, I thought I'd just be able to clip that once a month to make car payment, you know? <laughs> I didn't understand it was glued on, no. I, I, anyway. But God had a plan, and I believe God has a plan for every one of our lives. Amen? Amen. I'd never felt love like this in my life. Now let's fast forward, and it's sad to say, we decided to live together, and it was primarily because I was scared to death. She'd been divorced before, too, but I'd been divorced twice. And so I was scared to death to get married. But now let's fast forward like six months later. One of the guys came in and said, what is wrong with you? I said, man, I don't know. I've been depressed, man. I've, been, I, I've lost my appetite. I don't want to eat. I, I, I don't want to make calls. I, you know, I don't want to work. You know, I'm on straight commission. There ain't no sell, no eat. I don't know what's wrong with you. You better snap out of this quick, boy. So I'm driving home that night. Hit the steering wheel, and I said, "You know what, Stan Johnson? You know what's wrong with you? I know what's wrong with you. Do you know what's wrong? I'm talking to yourself. You ever talk to yourself? Mm-hmm. I think I was talking to God. I said, "You know what's wrong with you? I know what's wrong with you. I know what it is. You've you've messed around, and you have fallen in love again, and you are scared to death that you're going to wind up in another divorce, aren't you? Yeah." I'll skip part of that story, but about a month later, we got married. We went to the Little White Chapel in Las Vegas. It was 1983. Very famous place. A lot of famous people have been married in that little chapel. Well, shortly after that, I uh, decided it was time to actually for us to get back in church, so we started going to churches. We visited about three churches. And stuck in one of them, 1987, I was asked to start a home Bible study. And I think I will tell you that story because I want to let you know that God is in my life, but I want to let you know God is in your life too. Because what I'm really here talking about this morning is not my life, but how God intervenes in all of our lives, right? Hopefully you're seeing this. Are you seeing this in your life too, Bill? Okay, yeah, okay. So I had written up a paper on why I thought Revelation 18 had to be talking about Bible prophecy. 
I had it in my hand. I still don't know why I had it in my hand. I was walking out the front door going to go to work, and there was a lady across the street. You a Christian? Yes, I am. You like Bible prophecy? Why, yes, I do. I said, well, <clears throat> I got this paper here. Would, would, you write me, would, would you read this and tell me what you think? Got in the car and went to work. Came home that night, drove up in the, in the garage. Leslie said, what did you do? I'm thinking, what was it this time? <laughs> she says, I have had several neighbors call me, and they want to start a Bible study, and they want you teaching them in the Bible study. My point is, I didn't start the Bible study. God started it. So I thought, okay, well, I've heard that if you want to know something, teach it. Well, I want to know Bible prophecies. So I thought, okay, I don't know enough to teach it, but I'll, we'll learn together. So we started it. <clears throat> Had a three by five white board up. I was making a point, and the board fell off right in the middle of a point. I said, isn't that just like you're trying to make a point, and there's all of a sudden distraction. One lady's in Bible study stood up, and she said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out. Don't say anything, Stan, just because you haven't seen this kind of thing. Just keep moving. Pick it up. I didn't say anything. But what I discovered was I was in the presence of an on-fire, born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian. And this Baptist boy had never been in the presence of one before. Now we have a congregation of them. <laughs> right? 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 A couple of weeks later, Leslie says, have you been hearing those two ladies? No. You know, when we go to praying, I can't understand what they're saying. You know what's going on? Mr. Observant here. No. <laughs> she said, listen to them next time. So she got over and asked him, what are y'all doing? Well, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. What? Okay, long story short, Leslie can tell you her story about how she got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit. December 7th, 1987, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and my life changed. Anybody else relate to that? Amen. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, then we need to change that. So I started teaching class at church on Bible prophecy. And as I was teaching it after class one of these days... Uh, a lady walked up, had long red hair, handed me an audio tape. Remember the audio, the cassette tapes? Hand me an audio tape. She says, I think you'll be interested in this. So on the way home, I was listening to it in my car. Remember, they used to have audio tape recorders in your cars. Audio tape, cassette, for you younger people, tape. They're going, what? And it was Dimitri Dudeman giving his testimony. So I called the Full Gospel Businessman President in Lawrence, Kansas. Can we invite this? Well, we're, we're uh, preparing you to become president here. Why don't you call him? You invite him. Okay. So I wrote him a letter, asked him to come and speak. One hour, Full Gospel Businessman. He wrote back. He says, I can come for two weeks. <laughs> two weeks? What am I going to do with this guy for two weeks? 
So Dimitri Dudeman came to my home and stayed in our home for two weeks. And would you believe, by the time he got there, God had him booked. I made a couple of phone calls, but only a couple. He spoke in seven churches, six radio stations, and a TV station, all in two weeks. He later said it was the busiest two weeks of his life. Now, I didn't understand that God was preparing me. My point is, God is preparing every one of you today. He's preparing you to do something to serve him. There's no bench in God's game. Everybody gets to play. If you're not playing, then something's wrong. I didn't understand that I was in the presence of what probably was the greatest prophet ever sent to America. Probably. If not, they're definitely one of them. After that, I met, I was introduced to Henry Groover. I think I have that up here someplace. Dimitri Dedeman. I also, in that Bible study, ran across Edgar Wisenhunt. He's the guy that wrote the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Return in 1988. When he didn't return in 1988, then he wrote 80, 89 Reasons He's Going to Return in 1989. And he didn't return in 1989 either. But I learned a lot. Then along that time, I was nudged to start a radio program in Omaha, Nebraska, but I didn't do it. I didn't call the station, but I was nudged to call the station. Looking back, had I called the station, probably Prophecy Club would have started in 1990 instead of three years later in 1999. 1990, I met Henry Groover. 1991, he introduced me to Ron Wyatt, and Leslie and I went on an archaeology tour to see Noah's Ark, crossing the side of the Red Sea, Jesus' tomb, and I think that that's going to be very instrumental to the things that are happening in the future because I'm going to be able to to explain to people when we go to Israel, when we hit oil, that Jesus is the Messiah, the three cross holes, the crack, the blood on the Ark of the Covenant, and all of that sort of stuff. So, I mean, there, plus Leslie, I've also been to Mount Sinai. I mean, how many people do you know that have that can tell you pretty close where the Ark of the Covenant is, has been on Noah's Ark, have a piece of it, been to Mount Sinai, Sinai in Saudi Arabia, have a piece. How many people do you know that can say that? So I'm in a very unique position to convince people Jesus is true. 1993, I was asked to start a radio program, and I called it Prophecy Club. And as it started growing, <clears throat> going from city to city to city, uh, we wound up having thousands of meetings. We were having a meeting every month. One month, or at one time, we were holding meetings in 40 different cities all across America. We had three different tours, three different speakers, total of 40 cities. We wound up with about 180 guest speakers and 330, 330 DVDs, which, by the way, you can watch instantly at watchprophecyclub.com. We also went on putting on Crusades. We call them Power of Jesus Crusades. We have put on about 70 of them. Those are three days. Nine and nine, two to five, seven to ten for three days. Leslie and I were talking the other day, and we said, how do we do that? I said, I was thinking back. I, I, we, we don't even know how we did that. I mean, the stamina. Nine to noon, two to five, seven to ten for three days. Today, we'd be done by noon of the first day, not to mention three days. But God had to put us together. Now, 
1982, I had not met Hayseed Stevens, but in 1982, a part-time pastor, full-time oil man at a Willow Park, Texas, was invited to go to Israel to meet Menachem Begin along with another group of other oil men. While he was there, the Lord spoke to his heart and said, the world's largest oil field is located at the southwest end of the Dead Sea. 1995, he started a company to gather the funds to go and drill the well. In 1998, we put him on a 10-city speaking tour, which blew financial life into his vision to gather the money to go drill the well. 2003, his, uh, he fell dead of a heart attack. His son took over the company, and uh, things didn't go the way they'd planned. And uh, maybe pause that story, because I'm not going to go into all these, but one morning, January 26th of 2003, I woke up out of a dream where I was sliding off of a mountain into great wealth. Hayseed appeared to me in the dream and said, it's about time you got here, talking about I would be given great wealth. So about that time, Leslie's patting me and saying, wake up, wake up. I had a dream. Leslie had another dream. We both had dreams at the same time. She woke up and she said she was in a big house. It was a three-story house built on the side of a mountain. And there was a waterfall inside the house. And the children were playing on the waterfall. It was like a big slide. And they would slide down and have a good time. And we had uh, house cleaners on, on one house cleaner for one whole level. Another house cleaner for another whole level. Another house cleaner for another whole level. In other words... Two dreams at the same time saying that one day we will have extreme wealth. Now, I didn't understand where this is going yet, and you probably don't either, but it ties together. Then May 6, 2003, I had a dream. I won't go into all the details, but I was standing on a 55-gallon oil drum speaking and preaching to a group of people. So what's the, the message? Oil is going to give me the money to preach the gospel to the world. Okay, <clears throat> now, I will tell you this one. May 20th, 2003, I had a dream. I was driving an SUV around in a desert area, I believe it would be Israel, looking for another place to drill for oil. I had a huge stake in my lap, about 4 inches by 12 inches across. Occasionally, I'd reach down, cut off a piece of this stake, and eat it. Now, what's the 4 by 12 stake? A lot of money. So apparently God is going to give me a lot of money. There's more. An oil friend of mine, a friend of mine sitting in the passenger seat, landed one of the intercessors from the church back behind us, had her hands on us, praying intently that God would show us where to drill. That's a key. All of this can make sense in a second. So things drug on, and I thought, this, this whole thing about oil in Israel, it's not going anywhere. I had some stock in this other company. And I said, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm just going to sell my stock, get out, and forget about all this oil well stuff. So I said, Lord, <clears throat> if you want me to stay involved in this oil well stuff, then give me a dream tonight, because I've never been on an oil, still have not, not been, I've never been on an oil rig, never been to a place where they're drilling. Never had any I was raised in Odessa, Texas. I had a pump jack, you know, you know those guys, 
right across the street from where I lived. I grew up. My friends made their living from working in the oil patch. They have bumper stickers that says, oil feeds my family and pays my taxes. Okay? I grew up in the oil patch. Wanted nothing to do with it. Had a good friend, died in the oil patch. A lot of people died out there in those oil patches. Anyway, so... I said, if you want me to stay involved in this, give me a dream. Show me what it's like to be at an oil rig when it comes in with oil. That night, sure enough, I had a dream. And I was at one of those places, you know, where they have the pipe coming up and mud all over and everything, and there's a couple of guys working. And the dream starts out with someone hollering, there she blows! And I looked, and here's this pipe sticking out of the ground, and you could feel this like this, it was getting bigger and bigger, and all of a sudden, this air, you could see it, just clear air, a really, really high pitch. I mean, I had to put my hands over it, really high pitch, high pressure oil, not oil, but just air coming out. It was loud, and that lasted for like, seemed like two or three minutes. And then finally it was, And then just silence. And and then this brown sugar oil started. Wasn't squirting high, just like four or five foot coming up. Brown sugar oil coming out. Well, I woke up out of the dream, and I had my confirmation. God wanted me to stay involved with this vision to find oil in Israel. <clears throat> so, Two thousand seven, <clears throat> Hayseed's former attorney called me and said, Would you be willing to start a new oil corporation to continue the vision to find oil in Israel? Now you guys don't understand what I'm telling you right now, but this is going to be the thing that fills our church. This is going to be the thing that fills the sports stadiums. Everybody in here and probably those people watching online will have an opportunity to be involved with one of the biggest things in human history. That's what I'm telling you about. You, you, you don't see it yet, but that's why I'm telling you what's going on. <clears throat> so anyway, would you be willing to start another company, oil company, to continue the vision to find oil in Israel? I said, well, you guys call me. I, I'm a prophecy teacher. I don't know anything about oil. We don't need you to know anything about oil. We need you to know about Bible prophecy so you can cast the vision that this is about Bible prophecy. That's well, I, that, that I know. I said, but, I mean, you know, I'll pray about it, but probably not. So my get-me-out-of-it prayer that night, some of you heard this story, was, Lord, as you know, I don't have any extra $5,000 laying around to give that attorney to start some oil corporation. So if you want me to start this, send me the money. I thought that was real smart. I thought that got me out of that deal. So end of story. Next day, phone call comes in from Topeka, the office. Lady wants to talk to you. About oil in Israel. Why does people keep calling me? I don't have anything to do with oil in Israel. Well, she's been a faithful $10 monthly partaker now for over 10 years. I think you ought to call her. Well, I was going to call her, but obviously now I feel obligated. Thank you for calling. The reason I ask you to call is because two nights ago, God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to give you $30,000 to continue the vision to find oil in Israel. My exact words were, 
well, fine. She said, what? So I explained. She sent the $30,000 check. We started January 2, 19, got the date here, yeah. January 2, 2008, we started Prophetic Oil Incorporated with me as the president and CEO. And I set up an 18-city speaking tour from Beaumont all the way up into Minneapolis. And on June 27, 2008, I spoke in Amarillo. That night, in my prayer closet, I said, Lord, uh, <laughs> as you know, we're spending $3,500 per city in advertising, and there's not much coming in, not many people coming in, not many people getting saved, not many people interested in the oil in Israel, so I hope you're pleased with what we're doing. And that night, God spoke to me. I mean, I heard audible words just like you're hearing going into your ears right now. I mean, audibly. And it said, Stan, I will give you the money to drill the well in Israel. Well, it woke me up, and I actually answered back out loud. And I said, the oil well in Israel? But there was no answer. It like, son... I didn't say it all I'm going to say. Oh, up until that time, all of these get-rich-quick schemes that run across us, I would just poo-poo, I wouldn't listen to them. But I decided I better start listening. God arranged to get me and Leslie in something that is really, 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 really big. I can't even talk about it. I'm on a non-disclosure, non-disclosure agreement. I have given them permission to monitor my phone calls and my emails, and they do. I was on a phone call with Lindsey Williams. He's gone to be with the Lord now. A number of years ago, I didn't say it. He said it. He said the wrong words, and all of a sudden, mm, dial tone immediately. Happened twice. So I, I can't talk about it. But I believe it is the way that he's going to give me the money to go and drill the wells. Also, that same night when he said, Stan, I will give you the money to drill the well in Israel. By the way, every time I say that, I have to give you a disclaimer, and that is I cannot guarantee we're ever going to get the money to drill for or hit a well in Israel. Anyway, he also said, when those prophecies, I gave your wife, begin to come to pass, people from all directions will begin to turn and listen to your ministry. Now, one of the first things that we believe would take place is the newspaper. Oh, and by the way, he showed me. I saw visions that night of Leslie standing in front of our fireplace and holding up newspapers, newspaper after newspaper after newspaper. These were the headlines. So he confirmed to me the headlines that Leslie had been given back in 2006. And this was in 2008, June 27, 2008. Anyway, one of them was Omer Usher's in Palestinian State. Now, since 2006, we've been praying, what does that mean, Omer ushers in Palestinian state? Well, the only thing we can come up with is it must be the counting of the Omer, which is the 49 days between first fruits here and Pentecost here. There's 49 days between this. We believe that those are the days. So in 2024, those dates are, if I can remember them, like April 17th, to May, to May 17th or something like that. I, it's April, May, somewhere in there for 49 days. <clears throat> now, hang on. We know that the BRICS countries, which are now like 41, are going to make their gold-backed 
currency live come January 1, 2024. We also know, according to Shane Warren, that when they start selling oil in some of the currency other than the dollar, it's going to crash the dollar. So high probability, that's, and I'm not setting a date, but I'm just trying to give you a picture here. But there's a high probability that will start taking place in the first quarter of next year. Also, it said that it would. He, first thing he saw in the vision was a storm hitting all of the United States, north, south, east, and west. And we understand that the hurricane that just hit California actually hit the entire nation. All of a sudden, our dollar goes down, and then people are protesting. They're holding up signs that says, we want our entitlements. That means that they will shut off welfare. Even Dimitri said he thought that what would start the internal revolution would be something like they turn off welfare. Also, I suspect that what is going to happen with these four indictments is that Trump will actually get handcuffs put on him, actually get arrested. And when he does, the Marines say, we've had enough. We're not putting up with this anymore. The fall of America will start with an internal revolution in America started by the communists. That's my guess. I've not heard from God. That's just a guess. About that time, a big earthquake hits the New Madrid Fault. That is in about the April-May time. Now, am I saying something's going to happen next year? No. Do not say. I, do, I have not heard from God. I'm guessing. I'm just trying to put a picture together. Now, how does that fit in with this? I also had a, a dream. And I didn't ask for it. But I dreamed that I was at a, an old... You know, when, when they put those big pump jacks that do this... They set them on a big chunk of concrete. That concrete is about four foot tall, about four foot wide, and then part of it is also like about eight foot wide. In the dream, I ran up and I jumped up on this big piece of concrete that did not have a pump jack on it, but I could see the, the dirt was had had crude oil spilled in the dirt. In other words, it's, it was an old closed-down oil rig, basically. I jumped up on the concrete, and I pointed down at the ground, and I said, there's oil coming out of there about that time down real deep. I could hear it, and I could barely feel it, but there was like a really, really deep earthquake taking place. And about that time, oil squirted up about anywhere from 8 to 12 wells, went up about 25 feet in the air, and then fell back silent. And I turned back to my friend back behind me, and I said, quit. We've got to go file the papers before they find out that oil just flowed into this, this formation. About that time, the papers filled, appeared in my hand. So I think that that is a cue for what I'm, I am to do. But I can't do anything until I have money because I understand that Israel won't even take paperwork until the corporation has at least $10 million. They're tired of Christians saying they're going to come over and find oil for Israel and they ain't got no money. So they don't even take paperwork. Is this painting a picture? Is this interesting today? Okay. Then let me tie it together. My plan is, based upon the information up to this point, God may change that. So when we get this money, my plan is to call the attorney and kind of resurrect our plans. You go over to Israel, and there's five different places that I want to go and pray. And I'm pretty sure which I know which one is that I need to start. So we're going to be getting some rigs. Now, I've got one person 
Maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, my plan is to get about 10 of these rigs. Now, what is a rig? Well, it's four square blocks at the base. It's about 22 stories tall. It takes 180 18-wheeled trucks to move it. It takes uh, about six months to build it, two months to move it to Israel, a month to erect it, another six to nine months to drill to the test depth we want to drill to. But when we hit oil over there, I don't think it's going to be like four-foot oil. I think it's going to be high-pressure oil. Do you remember the Deepwater Horizon out in the Gulf that was 20,000 PSI? You know what 20,000 PSI is? The pressure in the tires of your car is probably 32 pounds, 32, compared to 20,000. 20,000 PSI will cut through steel. And it's very possible that the kind of oil that's going to come out of Israel is high-pressure oil. Hayseed said he had all of the oil surrounding Israel, all of the nations had that tested their DNA. He said it's all the same DNA as the oil in Israel. He believed that the source oil for all of the nations from Syria, Russia, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Oman, all of those nations comes out of Israel. And I found 33 scriptures that says in the last days, massive amounts of oil will be discovered in Israel. What we think will happen is when we go over there and when we begin to drill, of course, the first thing I can do is pray because I believe, as a matter of fact, he, she, <laughs> I can't even tell you about all that. He showed me the very words to say and the date to pray and where to pray so that that earthquake will release the oil down, down, down deep in the the underground formations, so that that oil comes up into the shallower formations so we can reach it. And I believe that what the scriptures say is that it's going to begin to dry, and he said, said this too, begin to dry the wells of all of the nations all around Israel. Ezekiel 38.4 says, And I will put hooks in her jaws, and I will draw her down onto the mountains of Israel. And where Leslie had a dream shown where she was shown where the oil is. And the oil is in the shape of a, Eric, the oil is in the shape of what? Say it. You said it. We were talking. You remember? You remember? You said that. We were talking about this and he said, that's the hook. Well, that was a major revelation right there because I believe that when the oil is hit in Israel, the, well, the, nations, uh, the, the wells of the other nations around Israel begin to go dry. All of a sudden, Israel has the oil. They're the, the major oil producer of the world. All of a sudden, that causes the Russians and all of her buddies to come down to attack her. That's the hook in the jaw of the Russians that brings her down for Armageddon so that Jesus can spill their blood at the wine press, same place where they spilled his blood. Now, I've never put this all together for a group before. And I think what happens <clears throat> is when I get this money, mega money, massive amounts, along with all of the other Christians through the years that have wanted to be part of this, all of us together sow in our money, we go over and we drill, we hit that well, Israel becomes the largest producer of oil in the world. They set the price. Not Saudi, not the Molochs, 
They set the price for oil. The wells start going dry. Some place in there, <clears throat> here's another thing. I've been impressed to write a book. I'm going to put all of this story about oil, probably not all my testimony, but this, this story along with the scriptures about oil in a book so people can get a book and read it and understand what we're doing. I'm not going to release it until after we get ownership of the areas of the land that I want to, because I don't want somebody to steal the land. Uh, and I think that it's going to bring where we can reach the world. One of the things I want to do, all right, here's another one. So I woke up one morning out of a dream, and I, the, the, a voice said to me, an audible voice said, two men will get a plane with a virus, and before the plane can land, everyone on board will be dead. This will be the beginning of the end of public air transportation. And at the time I was having a vision, I looked down on a plane, it was about this long, there was a stairway like this, and I saw little line of people going up the stairway getting on the plane. And I said, what? And the voice rebuked me and said, you weren't listening. I thought, well, I hear that from Leslie a lot. <laughs> you know, me and we don't listen so good, right? So it repeated it. It said, two men will get on a plane with a virus. Before the plane can land, everyone on board would be dead. This would be the beginning of the end of public air transportation. I prayed about that a lot, and I think that means that that is the opportunity for me to buy an airline. I didn't say an airplane, an airline. Buy an entire airline because when there's no more public air transportation, guess what? There's going to be airlines, not airplanes, airlines for sale. So what I'd like to do is buy an airline, I mean complete with the mechanics, complete with the stewardess, everything, everything. Buy an entire airline. Why? Because I want to then go to the Jews and say, look, let's, let's work a deal. According to the agreement, I get seven-eighths, you get one-eighth. But I'm willing to work a deal to give you a higher percentage. I'd like for you to give me a land to build the land of unwalled villages. Ezekiel 38.11 says that I will think in my heart that will go up to build land of unwalled villages. The people that are gathered out of the nations, gotten cattle and goods, and dwell in the midst of the land. So I want to fly Christians and Jews to Israel to build that land of unwalled villages. And I can see how God is going to put it all together. Now, in, in that some place, I think miracles are going to show up. Remember he told me, say, I mean, if you put all of this together, or, or start, hopefully you're starting to see a picture that you've never seen before. Someplace in there, there's going to be sports stadiums fill up. And I need people at those sports stadiums helping. We're going to need people at doors, people to pray for people, book tables, all of that. Like Bill had a dream that he was helping us at a sports stadium as an usher. Those are all the things that I think are going to be happening. I think the God gave me the dream to me we get on a plane with the virus because he's telling me this is the time to buy an airline when there's no more airlines. When all the airlines of the world are for sale. Nobody's flying anymore. When? Well, not soon enough. I would like to think that it happens the latter part of this year, maybe the first quarter of next year, but I don't know. I've been waiting for this thing to happen since 2008. So we'll see. It happens God's timing. 
Now, let me get the point here. I'm not telling you this to call attention to me, but you remember the whole point was, if you back up the beginning, was that God is doing miracles through his people. And everyone in there here, you, you are in a position. I don't think God brought you into this church just by accident. I mean, this is a very unusual church. I'll see you folks online. And I think that there's going to be a time when all of us will be working together to do these end times. When the miracles show up, the people will show up. There'll be a time when this room would not, this, this would be a classroom. There'll be so many people show up. When people begin, like he said, when those, those prophecies I gave your wife begin to come to pass, people from all directions begin to turn and listen to your ministry. When Omer ushers in Palestinian state, and that, the next time that happens is April, May of 2024. That may very well be when all of this starts coming to pass. It starts coming to pass then, and all of a sudden we are getting very, very busy. People coming in, coming in for the miracles, or coming in because they see, well, this stuff Prophecy Club been telling us is actually true. <laughs> see what I'm saying? So, now, most important thing is that you ask Jesus to forgive your sins. Second most important thing is whatever happens, do not take that mark of the beast. They may kill, they may torture, they may starve, whatever it may be, but do not take that mark of the beast. Those people who take the mark of the beast are tossed in the lake, burning through fire and brimstone, and there is no possibility or hope of escape. I think I'm going to end it that way today. And I'm going to say, if you prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart, send me an email to that address. And if you'd like to join us, bottom left corner where it says begin, become a ministry member, click that at prophecyclub.com or Spirit of Prophecy Church, and you can become a member. Also, I encourage you to click like, share, and subscribe if you're on one of the platforms out there so that we can reach more people. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our heart. Help us to be prepared to do those things that you want us to do. We don't want to sit on the bench. We want to get in the game. We want to serve you. Help us to be prepared. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you for coming. If you have prayer requests, come on up. I'd be happy to pray for you.